A dog barks when his master is attacked. I would be a coward if I saw that God's truth is attacked and yet would remain silent. John Calvin. Telling a woman that she can't be an elder is a nonsense rule. If they claim to be in the body, we let them have it. Donald Trump is going to win in 2020 by an absolute landslide. Heretics Christianizing the American dream. I said that you, uh, that, that many LDS folks and I uh, love the same Jesus. Uh, I still believe that. Sawing is a blessing from God to make you rich. Treating Jesus like a lottery ticket. The Lord spoke to my heart. Then very few times I've ever heard God be this articulate with me. And I'm telling you word for word, these words came into my heart. I'm not asking you with me. I'm asking you to brush your hair. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Master's Dog episode 144. I'm your host, Norm the Master's Dog Dunham, aka the Evangelical Norm, and you caught me there on video actually barking along with the dog and looking very funny, but I'm leaving it in there because I don't edit my videos. So um, the Master's Dog is a podcast I do dealing with uh, false teachers, false prophets, uh, false doctrine. Whatever it is that comes against the truth of God's word, as the introduction quote uh, said there, I bark. I started this podcast out as a podcast called Faith and Beliefs Refuted, where I was interacting with uh, LDS podcast called Saints Unscripted, and they had a segment of their podcast called Faith and Beliefs. They started out talking about the LDS Articles of Faith, and I wanted to respond to all those videos and show how the Articles of Faith do not line up with Orthodox Christianity or how Mormonism really didn't, um, and how these uh, articles of faith don't make them Christian. Uh, after they finished with the 13 articles of faith, they continued on, excuse me, or I should say David, who is the, the host of that segment, continued on with other issues of doctrine and so on, and I committed to respond to every one of those videos, uh, which I have done up to this point. Not everyone where have I actually played the video and responded in that way but I put up like a screenshot and said this is what the video is about this is why it really doesn't mean anything and not even worth the time of a response uh, a long response video so um, later on down the road I started to look at other false teachers like Stephen Furtick, Joel Osteen um, so on and so forth who are who are considered part of, of Christendom um, and I wanted to point out start showing how they were um, interacting with them as they uh, preach their false doctrine as well. So that's how it, when it changed from faith and beliefs refuted to um, the master's dog. So there's a little background for those. I say so a lot. I really am working on trying to get rid of my filler words. Um, and so is one of them. So there you go. Uh, I'm not going to get rid of that word ever. Shouldn't call attention to it. But that's a little background for those who are new. We continue to see more and more subscribers weekly um, sometimes daily two or three daily and that's because of you guys who interact with the video either like it share it even making comments on it comments or snide remarks on the video uh, help to make the algorithm um, al go rhythm you can't really see it that's the dude from uh, space jam I, I put him up there to because he keeps an eye on us all the time and, uh, and I've been calling him Algae Rhythm since Algorithm, since before Space Jam even thought it up. So I didn't steal it from, from LeBron James or anybody else. Um, so 
it does make that the algorithm send it out to more and more people and so i owe it to you guys who interact the fact that we continue to get more subscribers all the time hopefully sooner or later we'll be at a point where we can monetize um and make a you know make a living off of this probably never going to make a living off of this but um there was something else i was going to say Lost it. Uh, if you haven't already, please subscribe, hit the notification button, um, get all the content that I release here on the Evangelical Norm channel. That's what I was trying to say. Today, episode 144, we are back to the roots of the podcast, responding to David Snell and the guys over at Saints Unscripted, uh, Faith and Beliefs, and they today are going to talk about the stone box uh, that supposedly Joseph Smith found the golden plates about in and how it might be an LDS Ark of the Covenant. So we'll let David talk and we will respond. This one is probably going to be fun. So here we go. Without further ado, here is David. Hey guys, so Latter-day Saints believe... Hey guys, so Latter-day Saints oh, believe that on September 22nd, 1827, Joseph Smith obtained a few ancient Nephite relics from a stone box buried in a hill. Within the box, Joseph found a set of gold-colored plates, a metal breastplate, and two seer stones called interpreters. Some evidence suggests the box also contained the Sword of Laban and the Liahona, as described in the Book of Mormon. This is not just an arbitrary collection of ancient artifacts. In this episode, we're going to mostly summarize research done by scholar Don Bradley, which suggests that these objects were sacred Nephite relics that parallel sacred Israelite relics associated with the Temple and the Ark of the Covenant. Let's jump in. This should be very interesting. The ancient Israelite Temple, or Tabernacle, was at the center of Israelite worship and the Ark of the Covenant was at the center of the temple. It was kept in the most sacred part of the temple, behind the veil in the Holy of Holies. Among other things, it represented the presence of God among the Israelites. Now what's that supposed to be coming out of there? Power of God or something. Other items found within or associated with the... Okay. Now it, it was the, the mercy seat was here. This is between the... the, the, the um, cherubim or the seraphim, the... the um, on the cover of the ark was, you know, this was the, the, the center. This was where God dwelt. This is where the presence of God was. Um, the mercy seat is what it was called. And you have to understand how, how intricately God commanded that the ark of the government be built. Specific, uh, you know, di dimensions, uh, materials, everything down to the, the, the last finest detail God mandated, this is how this ark, this is where I want my presence to be my, then so on. It's very specific. So you have to understand that and keep that in mind as we continue on through this video. Temple include the sword of Goliath, the sacred clothing of the high priest, and the Urim and Thummim. But what does all this have to do with the objects Joseph Smith found? That is an excellent question. Within a stone box, Joseph Smith found the word of God written on golden plates. Inversely, the Ark of the Covenant was a golden box containing the word of God written on stone tablets, the Ten Commandments. Okay, so now here again, we're going to get this, this comparison between the two. So we have a stone box with gold plates. We have a gold box with stone plates. 
supposedly the word of God, the, the whole entirety of the Book of Mormon is on these gold plates. The Ten Commandments are on uh, the, the stone tablets. Again, the, there, there's some specifics that we're going to get to, some details in this that we're, we're going to look at um, as we get going, but I'm going to let him continue on. One source indicates that on one occasion, Martin Harris referred to the stone box as an ark. A bowl of manna was also kept inside the Ark of the Covenant. It was a reminder of how the Lord had delivered the Israelites as they wandered in the wilderness after leaving Egypt. Exodus 16 says, In the morning the dew lay round about the host, and when the dew that lay was gone up, behold, upon the face of the wilderness there lay a small round thing. And when the children of Israel saw it, they said one to another, It is manna, for they wist not what it was. Compare that to the discovery of the Liahona in the Book of Mormon. As my father arose in the morning and went forth to the tent door, to his great astonishment he beheld upon the ground a round ball of curious workmanship. Just as the Lord provided manna to feed the Israelites during their exodus, the Lord provided the Liahona during the exodus of Lehi's group. And in the very chapter that the Liahona appears, it leads Nephi to a source of food for the group. The Liahona also parallels another object found within the Ark, the Rod of Aaron, which was used as an instrument to reveal the will of God. The Liahona served a similar purpose. It told Lehi's group which direction they needed to go, and had writing on it that changed from time to time, which did give us understanding concerning the ways of the Lord. Okay, so again, now we've got the these two objects now there it's weird that they would even talk about this but because i don't want to get ahead of myself but i'll, I'll get to the the whole uh, the big issue with the sword of laban the liahona and so on but to make this comparison the liahona is is generally something that is is used and marked as an anachronism in the uh the book of mormon it's basically essentially a compass of sorts that would never have existed. Well, God can create anything. Well, yeah, God could have given internet to the Israelites, right? Um, but he, it, it's just so frustrating to talk about. The Liahona is something that fabricated in Joseph Smith's mind. Um, again, the writings at the time of you know his his. Uh, fascination with the occult with um, I, it seems like there may have been and I don't know I can't I can't uh, back this one up but it seems there may have been a little bit of a fascination with uh, with science fiction and, and so on as detailed as science fiction could get at the time of Joseph Smith um, but there was definitely a fascination with the occult the writing on on the Liahona and this and that, the same as, as him with his seer stone, um, the writing that showed up and, and so on. So the reality is, is this thing never existed. And that, that's where we have to go to with this is it's, it's not something that fits in with anything that we've seen throughout scripture, throughout church history of anything God has done. And again, there's so many of those things in the book of Mormon, the, the Jaredite boats and, and so on, you know, the different animals on this continent. And, and it, it just, it doesn't make any sense that they would even try to use this stuff as, as any kind of proof for the reality of the Book of Mormon or the LDS faith.
In the Old Testament, David discovers that the sword of Goliath was being kept within the tabernacle near the high priest's sacred clothing. Goliath's sword, which the young but faithful underdog David used to cut off Goliath's head, was a powerful symbol of authority and deliverance. Likewise, the young but faithful underdog Nephi used Laban's own sword to cut off his head. That sword is then passed down through generations of Nephite leaders and also becomes a symbol of authority and deliverance, a sacred Nephite relic. Exodus 28 instructs the high priest of the temple to wear a special breastplate. Okay, we got to talk about these two swords. That Again, even assuming that and I hate to make the assumption that any of the Book of Mormon stories are true. But let's assume that the truth of these stories. First, let's look at Goliath. This is a man who was mocking the armies of God, who was sent as a champion to defeat the armies of God. David faced him in battle, uh, defeated him in battle, and cut off his head in battle. Nephi and Laban, or Laban, Laban or whoever, I, I can never remember if it's Laman or Laban, Laban. Um, he goes to Laban to get these, these plates that supposedly he had. He wasn't giving them up. So he finds Laban stumbling drunk and then chops his head off. So we've got a difference between a victory in battle and cold-blooded murder. Period. I mean, there's no way to explain away what Nephi did to Laban if it is a true story. Other than cold-blooded murder, well, God told him to do it, and he needed to do it. No. Nowhere in throughout Scripture do we see God commanding anybody to commit cold-blooded murder. Right? I mean, we see victories in, in combat. We see the, the cleansing of an a, um, idolatrous people. Okay, we'll see, we see all that stuff, but never do we see God telling somebody here, go and, and cut off the head of this defenseless person who is drunk just because he wouldn't give something to you. We don't see that. You know, we, we, and, and again, as we look through scriptures, we'll see, you know, the things that David did and stuff like that that were sinful. Descriptive events. We never see a prescriptive event of God saying, go and take this life unjustly. And that's what happened with Nephi and Laban. ...over his sacred ceremonial clothing. The Urim and Thummim, two stones that helped the high priest understand the will of God, were kept in a pocket within the breastplate. Similarly, the Nephite interpreters, or the Nephite Urim and Thummim, were designed to be used in conjunction with the Nephite breastplate recovered by Joseph Smith. Joseph's brother William even stated that a pocket was prepared in the breastplate on the left side, immediately over the heart. When not in use, the interpreters were placed in this pocket. Now, a lot of people struggle with the fact that for a long time, no... Okay, so again, now we see um, a comparison between the, the priestly ephod and this breastplate, which are completely different things, but yet they're trying to make them out. Again, the ephod was specifically designed and had to be uh, uh, fabricated in, in specific ways, and if it wasn't, it was not... Uh, valid. It couldn't be used. Again, that we don't see anything about this Nephi breastplate as being anything of the sort of like a priestly garment or anything to that effect, or that would even qualify as an ephod for a a priest. No one other than Joseph Smith was permitted to see the golden plates. May I see them? For now, you cannot. 
I've made a covenant with the Lord to show them to no one. But from a temple viewpoint, it makes sense. Only the Israelite high priest was permitted to view the sacred temple relics in the Holy of Holies. As the divinely approved recipient of these sacred relics, Joseph Smith was acting as the new high priest. Thus, he was able to view the plates and he was able to wear the breastplate and translate by looking into the Urim and Thummim. Remember, this is before he switched over to using his personal seer stone. The Ark was kept in the Holy of Holies, which was separated from the rest of Okay, so again, we have to, we have to address that. At some point, and again, we don't know where, we don't see anywhere. I'm, and I, I said this last week, and again, I'm, I'm looking for anybody who can give me, you know, documented uh, citations, that's the word I'm looking for, to show that Joseph Smith ever used a Urim and Thummim. You know, and they all, they're always, you know, kind of defined and shown, and even in all these pictures, as like opera glasses. Nowhere in any description of what of joseph smith translating the book of mormon do we see that he held up a urim and thummim to his eyes and looked at the plates and then it translated for him in any way i mean they would assume assume that the way that they're designed that's what they are for everywhere we see that he put a rock in a hat his hat in the his face in the hat and then words appeared and so on nowhere do we see a place where he switched over to his personal seer stone Every documentation, every citation of, 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 and description of Joseph Smith translating, it's with that seer stone. You know, again, Joseph Smith making up the stories, and we're going to, you know, I'm, I'm not going to bury the lead. All of this is made up by Joseph Smith. And we can sh I can pretty much prove that to you in the fact that none of these artifacts are here today. None of them displayed in the visitor center or even in an archives in the, in the LDS temple or on, you know, on any, any, any LDS property. They do not exist. They are not there. None of them. Again, so we don't see anywhere. It's always been this, this seer stone that Joseph Smith has used to translate, to translate the Book of Mormon that nobody has ever seen. D are you following me? And again, it's not like, well, in comparison, the priest was the only one that got to look at these. Nowhere in scripture do we see anywhere where the priest would go into the Holy Holies and open up and look at the sacred relics. They were just preserved in there and that was in there. And the priest went in there once a year to make sacrifice. It's not that he was the only one that was able to see them. He was the only one allowed into the Holy of Holies. And it wasn't to go in and look at these sacred, oh, let's admire the sacred relics. No, it was to go in there to do the work that God had appointed him to do and then get back out before the presence of God killed him. Of the tabernacle by a veil when the Israelites needed to transport the Ark of the Covenant. Contrary to most artistic representations, they didn't just have it out in the open for everyone to see. They actually covered the Ark with the temple veil. I see a lot of valuable sacred symbolism in Emma Smith's statement that the golden plates often lay on the table without any attempt at concealment, wrapped in a small linen tablecloth, which I had given him to fold them in. Okay, the, the contradiction in this statement of itself, plates often lay on the table without any contempt, attempt at, at concealment, except for the fact that they were concealed in a linen tablecloth that she had given him, so she didn't even know what they were. I mean, all, all she knew is that he told her these were the golden plates or the plates colored uh, with the color of gold or whatever, however they describe them nowadays. 
They were the golden plates when I was a kid. But she, she's literally going, without any attempt of concealment, but they were concealed. <coughs> or, for example, early in the translation process, Joseph is described as hanging a sheet or a blanket or a curtain, a veil, between him and his scribe. Only the high priest was permitted to view this sacred relic in the Holy of Holies. Now, all of this information does not prove anything about Joseph Smith or his claims, but it's there, and I don't think it's there by accident. And there's still a lot we haven't covered yet. I don't think it's The resources I'll leave in the YouTube description will go much deeper into this subject, but in my view, as these kinds of intricate complexities continue to pile on, either this is the most bold, elaborate hoax I've ever heard of, Bingo. or it's the real deal. Of course, Bingo. where you land on this issue is between you and God. Feel free to study these things out. No, it's between own, me and, and evidence. It's between. Watch. Again, I mean, let's just let him go. It's it's the. Here's the deal. Granted, yeah, we don't have the Ark of the Covenant either. It's been lost and and disappeared and so on. But none of these things. Supposedly, Joseph Smith got these things, took them out of the Ark of the, the, the stone box, this polar opposite. Again, when you look at these things, you have the Ark of the Covenant. God gives dis, uh, specific detailed instructions on how to create this Ark of the Covenant. Very intricate, very majestic, very amazing. And then you have a stone box. You have stone tablets that have just the, the, the Ten Commandments written on them, the, the basis of, of God's law which is not given to us to save us, but is given us to point our, out our need for a savior. And you have these gold plates that no one's ever seen, um, that are always hidden, that have the appearance of gold, but way, way too much for uh, a young boy to carry them in the manner in which Joseph supposedly did. And then all the things that have changed in the descriptions and so on, because now we realize that this is essentially impossible. Um, you have manna, you have uh, a liahona, which is a compass that just is, is, again, weird. You have the sword of Goliath and then the sword of Laban, one, uh, a trophy taken in battle defending God's uh, truth, um, God's word, the, the armies of God, another used in cold-blooded murder. And yet, you know, the entire ark is gone. We have all these things about this stone box and so on that Joseph supposedly found. Um, and a historical church like the LDS church that keeps everything you know, the, doc, the Journal of Discourses, all this stuff, and none of this stuff is there. I mean, again, there's a difference between things that are thousands of years old and artifacts that have been lost for, for centuries, and then you have this that was found less than 200 years ago, and uh, in, you know, in a time when museums and all these things are in existence, and you can preserve these things, and they're just re-lost did god take all of them back to heaven because that's supposedly what i always heard the angel took the golden plates back to heaven um which is weird uh but did he take all that stuff where is the rest of the stuff that was supposedly in this stone box where is this stone box you know is it still buried in the hill 
Why can't we go see it? Why can't we find it? Is it some of the, one of these things like Joseph Smith when he did his money digging, you know, uh, seeking for people, treasure seeking for people, and he would say the spirits just moved it from where he said it was and they dig and they wouldn't find it? This is what Joseph Smith was convicted of in a court of law of money digging because he was not not performing the service that he supposedly said he could do. And he was going, here's where treasure is. They would dig. Oh, no, the spirits moved it. This is what Joseph Smith was, and this is what he has presented to you, and people are believing it by the millions. And it should be absolutely obvious that this is the, the, the imagination of a con man, a very good con man. So, yes, David, this is the most elaborate hoax uh, of Joseph Smith's time, at least. And you perpetuate it. So there you go, guys. Hopefully you found this helpful. Hopefully this was useful to you. Um, I really, again, I just felt a little discombobulated throughout this one. And it may be just because my shoulders bother me. And I don't know. Um, it could be the fact that it's my birthday. Happy birthday to me. Uh, thank you guys for joining me on my birthday to watch this video. I'm getting ready to go fly to Kentucky to go visit the folks at the Creation Museum and the Ark Encounter for the next few days. So I'm going to go have some fun. This is why I'm getting these uh, videos out early. Um, so enjoy. If you, again, if you have any anything to say, questions, comments, snide remarks, leave them in the comments. Give the video a like if you liked it. Give it a dislike if you didn't. I'm, I'm okay. I'm a big boy. I can take all that smoke. Uh, um, share it. If you haven't already subscribed, hit the notification button and get all the stuff that I'm going to do next week after I get back from Kentucky. So thank you guys for taking the time out to watch. As always, preach the gospel at all times. Use words. They're necessary. Until next time, Soli Deo Gloria.